Good evening, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of the Pitch from Africa. As always, it's been a wonderful week, a blessed week, and we are happy to be here again. If you're joining us for the very first time, welcome to the Beach from Africa. For some of you, you probably must have heard it is a popular belief that the Beach from Africa happens to be one of the most brutal or what we would like to say authentic conversation, weekly conversation happening right here on X that speaks to entrepreneurship, tech and innovation within the African continent. We are known to bring together some of the biggest players across the continent, um, from venture capital to entrepreneurs to policymakers and the like. And today's no exception. As a matter of fact, we're going to be exploring the journey of an amazing, amazing guy who happens to have been one of the most celebrated journalists turned tech entrepreneur, turned tech advocate coming from the continent this is the pitch from africa if you're just catching up on the podcast do us a favor as always leave your comment and we will be happy to respond to you but even so why don't you join us next week friday because we meet here every friday without fail reach out and let us have a chat a sit down with extraordinary people we're just waiting for our guests to jump in but before he gets here, I'd like to just say hi and welcome to my co-host, Esther Richards. Good evening, Esther. Welcome. Good evening, CD. It's always a pleasure to be here with you every Friday. How was your weekend? It has been a wonderful, 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 remarkable weekend. But I'm even more excited because there's so many things going on, especially in Nigeria with... Um, Tech Cabal just finishing up Moon Point and now the state of the Niger Delta um, state of Aquaibon planning their tech week. But we're going to go into that. Um, one of the things I'm really super excited about is to explore the journey of this amazing guy who was crazy enough to say, <laughs> I don't want to be a journalist anymore. Let me be an entrepreneur, but not any type of entrepreneur. Let me be a tech entrepreneur in a continent that is still finding its footing. What do you think and how do you think the conversation will go like tonight? See, you know, these things are not things that we plan. But, you know, I know that it's going to be cut because we're going to be going next deep into conversations and areas that will be very insightful. At the end of the day, I know everybody will leave this conversation happy and very satisfied with this conversation. That's all I can say, surface level. Um, but I know that what I'm really looking forward to is understanding, like you said, why he did what he did. It's it's not common. It's not it's not a common thing, right? To leave a comfortable zone, a place as like as cool as BBC. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me so for me that's one thing i want to be able to pull out today is one question i'm looking forward to asking myself so i don't know about you but that's what i want to hear well we're going to find out for those of you who have joined <laughs> us just now on the on the space welcome to the beach from africa just for some ground rules we'd like to also challenge our guest and would like to not only be the one asking the question but for you members of the audience to actually have the opportunity to ask them questions yourself when that time do come myself or my colleague will announce that and you 
can raise your hand who will bring you up on stage or you can use the chat function on the left um, right on the right hand side of your screen to drop your question or your comment this is the patreon africa welcome back so our, our guest is here with us on the stage but before i bring him on let me tell you how crazy this guy is so this guy is so crazy and he's going to tell us all about how he even come up with the name the instructor sen because when i spoke to friends of his he was that name is is, is an interesting thing that we're going to find out today but he's an international emmy awards nominated filmmaker the former head of the BBC News, um, the director of broadcast operations, channel television, and also founder and project at Smart Realities. Good evening, Mr. Essien. Welcome to the Beach Room Africa. How are you doing? Hi, Sidi. Good evening. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm very well. Welcome, lady. Thank you, Esther. So tell us, before before we go any any further, let's discuss the name the instructor. Where did that come from? What is the motivation behind that? Tell us the full story. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Um, just to set some context, um, I'm trying to describe where I am right now. I'm inside a car and I have a bottle of water by my side just to be sure that I can keep my, my throat uh, um working for for the length of time we'll be we'll be speaking and a bit a bit also about preparing for for this yesterday i had a session with a group of volunteers towards the aquibum tech week and i called that, that session ask me anything i did not even know that this was going to happen then we had fixed that ask me anything since last week but um i think it was after Esther had contacted me, then we fixed the ask me anything just to get me prepared. Now, this was one of the questions my volunteer asked me, how, what about the instructor? Let me try to answer that. So when growing up, I think I had just finished secondary school and I noticed I wasn't fully self-recovered as at that time. Then while waiting to, to get into the university, I got into a friendship with a whole lot of guys in the new school because um, when I took my, 
my first uh, secondary school exams, I did not make all the papers, so I had to go into into another school just to be, be sure that I can make my papers, as um, it is a bit rampant around here. So that is where I now started this journey to self-discovery. There was a, a physics teacher in my former school who used to call himself the physics instructor, and he had a lot of impression on me as, as a young uh, student at that time because he was a visiting teacher. He was not a staff of the school, but he had a very simple style of teaching physics that makes you uh, understand and you want to, to listen and learn, learn more. So when I was on that, my journey to, to, to discovery at that early stage of my life, I discovered when I would speak to people, they would, you know, get into to doing certain, get stuff done. They would listen to me. They would cause an action to, to, to happen. Uh, a friend of mine, he was the, the SP, the senior prefect of the school at that time, lost uh, his relative, I think it was his father at that time, and I, I just took to, to the mic, right, and organized a group of students. At that time, way back in the 90s, just spoke to them and then we could raise money. And the amount of money that we raised was a bit more than we could imagine to have raised as secondary school students or young school leavers at that time. And then it dawned on me that there was something about my voice, how I speak, how I communicate, and how whatever I say would cause people to take action. Then I started branding myself the instructor, and I bore that name all through my university. A great number of my, my friends, especially on Facebook, know me as the instructor. Sometimes they, they even forget my, my real name, except that my professional background around where I work no, partly don't partly the instructor. Once you're connected on Facebook, you know the instructor. Then, not uh, too long ago, a friend of mine who who works in PR and may have, um, you know, uh, had some interest in how I I brand myself. Now said, why not just have the instructor identified? around your name on all your social media platforms. And I, I said, why not? Uh, you, are, you are the professional here. That is how we got to, to having the instructor inscribed everywhere. I mean, and it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite uh, idea. Um, it's quite a good thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to poke a little bit. Um, so going back to school, school days, um, usually, the person that have the, the the sway in the class have a little bit of an influence that comes from that. Um, tell us a little bit about how you were able to build that influence. Was it as a result of family? Was it as a result of... Because we have some really, really great guys in school who will only get to discover themselves as they come into influence. So how was that for you? And how were you particularly able to find that influence within your peers? Okay, I, I think I was able to find that influence um, based on the fact that 
remember I had finished my first secondary school and did not make my complete papers, right? So by the time I got into the new school, I was already coming with some form of experience. You know, I've, I've done this before. And the people around me, the new friends I, I was making, uh, had a way of believing that I have this experience. The exams they were preparing to take, I've already taken taken it. But I was also very, um, I would say, without sounding immodest, I think I was very humble to, to join a school very close to the first school I, I was <laughs> I was attending. Uh, so when when they understood all all that was happening around me and the fact that I could you know change from one uniform to another within a very short period of time, just to be sure that I I would make my complete papers to go into the university, there was I think there was something that started drawing them to me, and whatever I would say or do mostly the very good things they would um they would just uh ride along with me but if you just if you just want to know a little about my background i think i grew up in a, a witness family so i i actually grew up reading a whole lot of publications i had a bible uh, teacher um, my bible teacher was not my parents or they were not my parents as it is the custom as you are growing spiritually you would have someone assigned to you just to nurture but i read a lot of books in my in my very tender age i read a lot of publications and so there, there was partly family i think i, I just remembered right now that People used to come to my father from far and near and just come to seek advice, whether it is uh, anything directly of benefit to him or not. I remember as a, a, a young person, people would just um, troop into his parlor and just line up just to be sure that they want to see my father. What do they want? They are bringing one case or another just to be sure that my father would, you know, chime in and give give uh, the advice that they need. So I'm thinking by extension, that has uh, had a way of influencing how I would, or what I would become. And indeed, what you've become over the years have been nothing but stunning. Um, I'm just going to, let, let's talk a little bit about your time at the BBC and how you were actually able to rise to become the the the, the um the, the head of news but more specifically i want to narrow down into the documentary that actually gave you the um emmy award nomination tell us a little bit about that process and what was the the life-changing moment for you at that time okay just for for context and correction i was leading the technical production for West Africa. Uh, the head of news was the, my direct, uh, my direct uh, high, high up, right? So as a news director for, for West Africa, BBC News West Africa, I was directly in charge of um, leading technical staff, 
sitting with producers who bring the, the creative idea, who research the stories. And then my job was to, to look out for what equipment is available, the kind of crew that are available and the techniques that we would use to, to bring those ideas to life. Now, just a bit of a background. My, I studied physics. So I, I, th- I think in, in the university, I led the first group of students from our department in physics to, to do an internship in the uh, Nigerian Television Authority, NTA in my local area in Rio. Then I, re- that was when I, or before then, I think I had already developed interest for, for broadcasting because I had even started writing uh, in newspapers in my local area. Now, leading the BBC and even finding myself in the BBC, I, I brought the knowledge I had as a physics uh, a physicist with my artistic side that I'm able to just look beyond wires and spanners and still dig into my internal self, my artistic self to bring a marriage between those two. So that, that kept uh, placed me in a position to, to be able to go into the minds of the producers and the creative guys and then use the tech the techniques, equipment available to to uh, bring all of the ideas to life. Now, in 20, year 2020, the year of lockdown, the year of COVID pandemic, and everything was shutting down. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I, I was talking about um, the difficulties we had um, producing that because we were working during a time there was a global pandemic so there was health risk to consider we were working working with children that was another layer of risk working with children uh, there was also the NSAS protest in the in the country nigeria and to, to come to think that we were filming all of that within within that space of time and then a few months later, uh, my executive producer told, told me that we, our, our work had been nominated for, for Emmy, uh, Emmy Awards. It, it was something, something very, very uh, remarkable to note. Then I also explained, gave a bit of context, how my being the news director for for BBC uh, because I I was sitting between editorial intention and the creative intention then juxtapose that with equipment and technicalities and engineering available to execute all of that so it kind of looks like in trying to to re- say again what I said before, I'm now compressing them, but I think it's it's fine that way if you can hear me. Tell me about your experience shooting the NSARS. So were you in front line while doing that shoot or were you just directing from a technical angle? Um I did not I did not film the NSARS as a a direct beat. But I was filming during NSARS 
I was filming the children. I was doing that documentary during NSAS because you remember that after a very long period of lockdown, when we had a little respite that people people could actually step out and start uh, going about their businesses, the partial lifting of the lockdown, uh, Nigerians had a way of venting after being locked locked in for 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 some time. So the only things I did during during answers was to step out of my house and walk in my neighborhood and take the pictures that I need to take, send it to to the editors or to the news desk that would need it. But I was not directly uh, producing on answers, even though I had production going during the answers time, right? Which was the but you, but, but 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 you did see you did see um, the story and the coverage that comes out of the BBC during that period, correct? Yes, I I, I saw I saw them, I saw. Them. So let's get so let's let's get a, a little bit the picture. So technical, um, some people will say um, corporate, some people will say controversial. Um, how important was it that Nigerians were the ones telling the story at that time? Well, it, it, it was important because really nobody tells your story better. And if you if you bring that to what Pitch Room Africa is doing, you know as, as an African, it is uh, hard to, to imagine that and not someone from another continent will tell will tell the African story better, even as we we go to, uh, about uh, founding businesses, establishing businesses, and getting ideas that could go to market and solve problems. So it is important, and it was, I, I would say, that Africans we were the ones there, Nigerians were the ones t- telling that story and just bringing out the. The, the issue of police brutality to, to the forefront. The reason why I'm asking that is because I'm going, I'm tying it back to the time when you have the amazing news of the work that you've been putting um, your back on have been nominated for the Emmys, which is a very, very big win. It's usually sad for me when I hear that work only especially work that comes from africa only get nominated for such an award when uh, in the face of calamity right in the face of something really troubling happening um and not really docu not really because of a documentary that is you know talking about the african culture for example why does it have to be something really dark and something really bad happening before we are recognized for things like that what are your thoughts on that before we jump to the next set of questions that I have? Okay, I, I think I know where, where this is leading. Um, yes, I am of the opinion that it does not need to bleed before it leads. You know, with the news term that it, it must lead before it bleeds, or it must bleed before it leads. But it is really just the way news works. The audience responds a lot to to bleeding stories. Coincidentally, what we captured during the documentary did not contain the bleeding part. Remember, this was a piece for children. So 
that audience needed to be protected. But to answer your question, how is it that it, it needs to be bad and gory before it gets gets to that point? It sh- really shouldn't, right? Um, but for me, from where I am, I try I try to be sure that whatever commissioning comes my way, even as I'm now a, a private a citizen or an independent producer in my spare time, that I try to, as much as possible, to draw a balance between what the commissioners want and what is the real thing that could balance that story. So for me, balance is important, but it really doesn't need to be gory. It really doesn't need to be bad before it gets recognized. Yeah, hi, see. Okay, so um, thank you very much, ID, for your response so far. I think for me, I'm waiting for the big question. The big question I wanted to ask is why, why delve into tech? But before I say that, you know, I've seen the work that BBC. Um, I know this. I don't know if you you were there during the NSAS. You were still with BBC. So um, I've seen the work that BBC has done to. I don't know if the word is herald or to throw light on some very st- some untold stories in in Africa. I mean, BBC Africa, I'll speak of. And there was a case of a lady who was being abused in the school setting and all of that. And there were there were some kind of, um, I can't remember what that, that session is called, Next. but it's a BBC something. Next, yeah. But the whole idea is, what did Next you say? For say again. Sex for grades. Yes, 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 yes. So now, what inspired that project? I mean, were you part of that project? And there's a reason why I'm asking. I'm going to go with my second question. Were you part of that project and what inspired that project? Why was that story so important to be sold and to be told? Um, I'll, I'll ask my second question after you say, you say something about this one. I wish, I wish my, my, resp- my first response will foreclose the second. I wasn't part of the project, but I think every story is important. Oh, that's your final answer. <laughs> Okay, so the reason why I ask is because I think the NSAS had a lot, affected a lot more people um, than sex for grades. I mean, because of course, the demography for the sex for grades would be more likely girls, right? But this NSAS stuff really affected... I I, I will stop you there. It would be premature to to assume that you will only affect girls but we know we know boys and men also get harassed well i'm just talking about sex for grades especially the video that was that was flying right it was more like girls were being asked for their bodies it's more common for girls to be asked for their bodies than for boys so i'm speaking on what i saw why i'm asking this question is I know that you're no longer there, but in my own opinion, like I said, um, the NSAS affected a lot more people. What did the BBC do at that period? I mean, to be able to, you know, weigh in on the, the. I mean, it was really a very, very, it was really a very traumatic experience. For me till today, I don't think I fully recovered from the trauma, right? So I'm just asking why or what the BBC do in that and because you were still with them at the time 
Okay. So I I may be able to talk a lot about the bits that I I was assigned, right? Because remember in my earlier uh response I have I did not directly work on the NSAS bits even though I worked during that time. So I may not be able to to answer for the BBC in that regard. But it must be said that BBC helped in in putting the news out there. We had correspondents uh, on the scene who were able to report what what they saw. But whatever came came out of that and the the refutation that came came afterwards is is really just the characteristics of how the state would respond to to news that affects them. Okay, thank you very much, Heidi. I would I would close on I'll close on that, but close on that with a question that is centered around why you dared to be crazy, as my co as my host says, as my partner says, he says we have a crazy, 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 you know. So why did you leave BBC to start this journey, the journey to the unknown? Why did you do that? What was the the motivation for doing that knowing about the uncertainty in the terrain the ecosystem why did you do that all right um i will still go back to what i said in the beginning when i had an ask me anything session with with my people yesterday this question came up i will answer uh a bit I, it could be a bit more detailed now i've mostly been a business-minded person from I could say from the onset or for a long time. And when we were on lockdown 2019, okay, yeah, 2020, uh, some some roles, they were very critical roles that that we were able to 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 go to work. Others were were asked to, you know, just stay home, except it is business critical. And then for for some weeks or months, I because of my my work, I, I mostly do feature, not news. That means I'm going to need a lot of time to plan. I'm going to need to to put logistics in place before going. News I don't follow news. People who do news uh, are led by news everywhere. But we, for me as a feature. Um, a producer or director will need time to plan. And since during the lockdown, we were not producing any feature apart from that the children's stuff I did, and it wasn't even commissioned from from Nigeria, it was commissioned from London. I I was concerned. So I, I met I went to to my 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 line manager and I asked, I said I, because I'm business and managerially minded, for the number of uh, months that uh, some, you know, staff were not able to come to the office because we were in news. What is the future of certain roles, right? That when everything we come. Back to full full operations, we'll be able to to say that you know certain roles are available 
works are, are there if you could do at this level without producing feature stories we i was i, I think i was you are talking about craziness here so we confronted ourselves and made sure that we could have that conversation though it was a difficult answer to give i can still really not remember the answer that was given because it wasn't a clear answer so fast forward that into 2021 i joined the founder institute this was me already checking out i already started checking out that was why i needed an accelerator program to to get me ready for for the crazy life out there so when i did a full cycle 3 years at the bbc and one of the i think i received received a an email that we had for we needed to have a conversation summarily the the bbc was going through digital transformation what they call digital transformation and over the the year, since 2021 till now i know of roles that were closed so my role as a tv person was closed because bbc was now treating their stories digital first they were treating their stories digital first as we speak uh, the tv roles that were housing business business program health programs and a couple of other t- uh, tv programs had been closed months after i i, I left so because i was preparing myself for the crazy about the having you know gone through that accelerator and i heard for you to be invested or investable um nobody really invest on on a part-time part-time founder so i started telling myself do i really need to go back to work with the credentials i have at the bbc i can find i can find work anywhere else i I could join another another station or do anything. But because I was really focused on on building my credibility in this uh, new life around technology, uh, product development and using those products to solve solve problems, I had to tell myself, do I really need to do this again or not? And the alternative to that answer is what has you know propelled me till now so i just decided to to keep it low i have skills i have network so i decided to stay buoyant with production while chasing technology and promoting uh, the ecosystem fantastic um well answered see you have something to say before i yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I want us because I'm just um, conscious of time. I want to, I want to go into. I have two part questions. Um, really, I did. Number one, was it easy for you to make the switch from a professional from the BBC at the level of your career to jump into the startup world because you have a backup plan, um, you have some savings, you have some. Uh, you have great connections because often at times we found that. Um, most founders especially those in the continent don't have that backup plan to go so was that um is was that decision easy for you because of those factors 
um, in a way, they were easy, but of course, you come back to 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 family. Family is now uh, anxious. How are you going to to you know to go through all of this? Then this was just the the dilemma of the situation for me i i had told myself this is the way right that was because during my transition i was still doing uh um independent production for the same organization i i i worked for i did that for for more than a year and producing town hall meetings in in the north northern part of the country so it, it was easy because i could tell i could tell where my boy auntie was going to come from or was coming from in short my last day at work i was actually on a production set for for africa business heroes and it was it was uh, an independent uh, a type of production. So when I was just serving my my notice period, and the Africa Business Heroes uh, stuff came came up, should I be talking about this? Okay, I think we we are out of validity. But um, so that's that's that. It was easy because I knew where the buoyancy was coming from. At the same time, uh, when you consider the anxiety from the family front i was now left between giving in to finding a new job or pressing on but i i decided to keep pressing on and that's that's where we are now so uh, there's always a time throughout the journey um been doing it for i think um maybe about 13 years now there's always a time throughout your journey where everybody says that you're making a big mistake and then you have all of the facts pointing out that indeed you're making a big mistake and then you have this one very tiny feeling in your guts that says keep going on what was that time for you um every entrepreneur that i've met remember that day time and the person that they were speaking with so what was that time for you what was that day like and what makes you say i'm going to go on please if you may if you may just uh, rephrase or ask the question again because i was i was trying to check if there are chats please just rephrase that question what was the time who was in the picture when uh, you had the greatest um, the greatest self-doubt on whether or not you've made the right decision to jump into tech entrepreneurship. Okay. Uh, my wife was, and you know, when I keep saying uh, family, anxiety from family, right, I knew it was going to be a not easy uh journey mind you when i did all of this i had not validated my idea i had not validated the market in in short within that space of time we have pivoted almost four to five times before we we now got into developing 
two CTOs have come and and left before we found the one that was knowledgeable and dedicated to build what we're building. So it doesn't really look as if everything was clear from the onset, right? But every time I, I just look around me, the very people close to me would be like, uh, you should find a job, right? <laughs> and then I said, well, I think I've, I've said I don't want to. That is, and I keep telling them, nobody invests on a part-time founder, you know, because I, so that's, that is what keeps me going. If I need, if somebody should believe in what I'm doing, what I'm building and the grit that I bring, I bring to, to the play, I, I need to, to show that that's that uh, level of commitment. But here, here I am. My my family, my my siblings would ask that question, and but I know that uh, for a fact within that time also, uh, the community that I found myself was also somewhere that I drew lots of um, inspiration from community of founders, people who are also trying to to make it um, to make it to market right so that's that's that i hope i've answered the question though i mean you 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 you, you did and, and i'm happy because it was it was clear it was authentic and most founders that i've had the conversation with at one point in time in their life they could remember the person that was there they could even remember the day that they were actually dealt the 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 self-doubt uh, um that comes with jumping into tech entrepreneurship you talk you spoke about community 16 days four hours eight minutes 46 seconds exactly to the aqua ebon tech week what are we expecting the last time this was held was in 2021 i'm not sure whether there was a 2022 version what is going to be different why should people care and is this just going to be one of those other conferences, long, drawn, and boring? Okay, um, I would start from from the success story. Uh, one of the guys that once uh, shared this stage with you, David Orock, is a product of Aquibom Tech Week. That should that should count for something, right? So David took part in Aquibom Tech Week and his crew got to third position and with the incentives, the learning he, he had uh, going through the pitch processes and sharpening his uh, pitching, he has been able to use that, leverage that for other opportunities as we speak. And now today David is, uh, is keen at giving back to the same the same community it would be disastrous if we plan an event that is already two years older uh, and then make it worse than it was now within that number of uh, months 24 months i would say because the last one also took place in october a lot has happened the community the Tech community has grown as we speak, 
I think we we have up more than four thousand uh, members within the Google Developer uh, programs. Then we have friends of Figma. We have the PHP developers. These are people in their different communities. Then you now have the senior brothers who are working in maybe one of the big, a few of them working in the big five uh, tech companies in, in the world and giving back to the community and also willing to come down to impart on the new uh, set of talent. Now, the Aquibum Tech Week, as we speak right now, is a collage of opportunities, a collage of training, is a collage of um, uh, tourism. The infrastructure within Aquibom State, which is known to be one of the fastest growing states in, in 2019, June 2018, 2019, a World Economic Forum report had put Uyo, I think Lokoja, Abuja, those were the three cities in Nigeria out of 10 cities in Africa that would be one of the fastest growing cities by 2024. And if we look at where we are today, where Kwaibom is today, I think it is meeting that, uh, uh, the, that particular uh, forecast. Now, what are the things that make the Tech Week what it is? Because the, the senior brothers of the ecosystem that is now building the community intentionally is looking to, to be sure that we can we can train our Aquibom youth and people living in Aquibom to be the next uh, tech destination in Africa. We actually call it Africa's new tech destination. And then there are numbers to support that. In 2015, two hubs existed in Uyo, in Aquibom, only two tech hubs. As we speak today, we have close to two. Numbers are increasing. So that shows the, the number of growth. And these hubs are running out numbers. They are training. People are living in Uyo. People are working out of, of from Uyo and serving companies outside of Aquibom, outside of Nigeria. And it's a lot cheaper to live there, right? So these, these are the things that we are spotlighting within this, uh, this uh, Aquibom Tech Week. It does not just end there. The last thing, or one of the last things we do is to be sure that we are connecting everyone attending, if that is not too, too, too um, absolute to say, to say that everyone, we are connecting them to opportunities. We have uh, a women-focused brand that is providing loans to, to women entrepreneurs. We have... Uh, a brand that is looking to offer scholarship for no code, uh, no code uh, development. We have um, we have a lot of brands that are coming. As as we speak, also we're also looking to position ourselves to be the 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 hub or the yeah the subregional hub that is providing the training support that is coming from the national government. 
the numbers coming out from the Ministry of uh, Digital Economy and Innovation shows that over a hundred thousand Aquibum, Aquibum as we speak, Aquibum youths would be trained uh, to meet up the three million uh, uh, training quota in Nigeria. And now the community members are saying if the national would do that for a uh, hundred thousand people and then we've already been doing great numbers we can double or triple triple the number of people trained why this is important is that a time will come where there will be a lot and enough tech talent are we exporting this talent that is under consideration are we exporting their services that is under consideration but the more you have you draw attention to a, a place like that more problems get created but it's better that problems are created in a good way now we are looking to increase the number of founders and entrepreneurs coming out of Aquaibom state and it's, it's a good problem uh, we, that we are proud to talk about okay I so think... yeah okay let's see let's go on here. yeah I think this is very insightful, um, um, being someone who lives a little bit close to Aquaibom State, I, I have a couple of questions, but I would say that first things first, um, how is the response for the, how is the response for, usually, how is the response for these kinds of um, tech week? I mean, this is going to be like the second, I think. So, how is the response going on so far? One, two, these um, talents we speak of, we are aware of how the ecosystem, the uncertainty in the, the ecosystem. So, is there any plan around um, the tech week to be able to retain, train, and is there any sustainability plan for these talents? Like, Sidi asked a very key question. Uh, he said, is this going to be another tech week, right? You've given a lot, of, um, a lot of things to look out for, which I think is fantastic. But I'm always keen on sustainability. What is the sustainability plan for the tech week after it's done? I'm always so concerned about events like this when they are about to be launched. It just becomes a place. I'm not saying this is what this is going to be. I've seen what what your your, your team is doing. I think it's fantastic. But I'm just curious to know, is there a plan for sustainability for these talents beyond the, um, the one week long or five day event that is already being put in place? Okay. Um... Uh, my senior ecosystem member is here. I'm going to invite him to speak. But before that happens, I will tell you what I know. There is There are two bills in the State Assembly that is looking to establish the, the state's startup ecosystem that will give the legal backing to all that will be the fallout of this tech week. So that's, that alone should count for something that there is a sustainability plan. Because when we have people who can solve problems, technically, now we need a framework to make them build institutions and sustain uh, these institutions. But my senior brother, uh, Anedi Udobong, is here, who would uh, give a lot more context to that. Anedi, if you, if you don't mind. 
this one that you're calling me senior brother, I'm afraid you're going to bill me. But um <laughs> welcome on <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I'm just gonna say this very briefly. I think in a situation where the demand for talent exceeds the supply, the question of sustainability is not so much of a problem. And I would I would I would shed some more light on that. The second situation is, and I like borrowing this from Anyebet, my own senior brother, who is on this call as well, is that value... <laughs> family call. <laughs> it's a family call, yes. Uh, value, right, is like, like when, 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 when there's a problem and you provide a solution to a problem, people derive value. And it is value that people pay for. So money follows value. Value is when you solve someone's problem. And if you look at Akwaibom, you look at the South-South region, you look at Nigeria, we don't have a scarcity of problems. The issue is, do you have an abundance of talent? Um, I, I also say this when it comes to this story of exporting talent and whether you're going to sustain the talent or the talent will go and come back. Uh, look at our football as an analogy, right? You know, I remember when the big boss, Stephen Keshi, came and started this revolution of people going to Belgium. And that opened the doors for all the other people along his side, Ucho Kichuku, Taribo West, and the next generation of Uruma, Kanu Wankwo, and then JJ, and all the people you have, all the Ossimians today. That hasn't killed football in Nigeria, right? It, it continues to enhance the the ability or the um how will i put it the 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 strength of the nigerian football ecosystem to continue supplying and what you've seen now is you've seen things like talent um academies and a lot of other things being sustained just by the fact that as people in quote are leaving before they make full circle and even come back and start reinvesting or plowing back some of their money into something that they passionately love, if you can just continue pushing out talent, you don't really have a problem. Um, and then because there's an abundance of problems in the country, you can't sustain that. I'll, I'll give an example of what happened after Aquaibom Tech Week uh, in 2021, I believe, yes, the first Tech Week. Many of us, I got inspired by that Tech Week, for instance, and ever since then, I've held about four tech days trying to go to local government because I saw what happened in the U that day and I was impressed. If you look at some of the things that have been done by the hubs like Start Innovation Hub, Code House, Future Labs, we're not talking about starting something or just making noise about what we are what we are going to do or coming to the drawing table. No, 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 no. We've, we've passed that stage. We're at a stage where we are consolidating, where we are trying to pull resources together. You know, the kind of thing where they say, you make a bigger pie so that when you want to take a share of the pie, it's enough for everybody. So in terms of sustainability, the first things I would say is we, we want a surplus of talent. We want to change the narrative of the problem we currently have. Problems that I face every day when people come to me and say, senior brother, I need a steal. I need a back-end developer. Trust me, it's not just startups in Eket, Uyo, Ikorabasi, Potakot, Abuja, or Lagos that are asking for these roles. 
I'm here in Silicon Valley now. People in San Jose, in Sunnyvale, in Texas are still asking for these roles. People even ask for high quality, entry level talent. I want someone that can think, I want someone that can solve problems, I want someone that can work on their own. So, a lot of the things we are coming to acquire from Tech Week to sort of highlight is we are first of all celebrating everything we have done so far. You know, for those who don't know, you know that kind of, in case you missed it, ICM, ICYMI, this is how much has been done. These are a lot of the people that are involved. This is how we want to multiply the opportunities and supply we are seeing. And I think the final way I'll put it is, even from a personal standpoint of view, one way I, I sort of had a conversation with someone two days ago was, it's like you go to a party or you go somewhere and then there's a buffet, there's a table full of food. And then you pack, 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 pack all you want to eat, eat all you can. And then you load your plates and then after loading your plates, you even go back to your table, the things you don't want, kind of leave them behind. Then you go back to the table, you eat till you are satisfied. You bring out your takeaway pack, you load your takeaway pack. And then as you're leaving the venue of this party, you see a lot of people outside who are just, maybe they are hungry or maybe they haven't had lunch or maybe they don't know where the nearest sort of buffet thing is going on. And you're like, guys, ladies, food day there or but before you go, you have to do this, this, and this so that they will allow you to come and encode, come and eat. And that's basically what we're doing. I, I, I'm a web developer, but I don't think I've built a decent website in how many years. I'm doing program management, you know? And then when we talk about opportunities, there's nothing like the University of Developer Relations. Where do you see that? You can't go to any course. I'm not sure there's any school in the world that teaches developer relations. So there are many roles, opportunities, courses, there are many things you can do from home with a little bit of learning, with a structured, long-term, five-month, six-month program. So it's, it's not going to be about five days. Five days is just maybe a celebration or like you say, Fakorazi. People have been on ground. I'm going to leave the stage for those that have been doing that in New York for 12, 15 years. For people that have trained thousands of people, for people that have taken people from, from somebody who walked into their home asking for a cleaner job to somebody who is now having a, a visa interview to go and do machine learning in the US over a period of, I don't know, five to six years, you know? So, so what we are trying to do is gather a lot more support from philanthropists, public spirited individuals, we a network of professionals, government, to just amplify the work that has already been done. So in terms of sustainability, Look at the people involved and look at the way other people who got to hear about this event have taken positions. You know, people who are skeptical about doing anything government, doing anything village or, or doing anything uh, Barakwa, because they've seen the kind of traction, they're now pulling in their own resources. So trust me, the people getting involved in this are not, they're not hungry, they're not looking for government contracts. Like I said, they <laughs> feasted on the buffet and they don't chop belleful, you know, as in by Nigerian palace. They've married wife, they've bought house, they've bought car. Those, those things are, they don't pass that level. Let me put it that way, just to be very open and frank. And yeah, we, we want to do something, we want to make a statement. To make things even worse, some people have even double dared us and said it's not possible. 
So let's watch and see what will happen the next the next two weeks and and, and beyond. Thank you. I'm just going to jump um in there for um Annie. So Annie to just to give you context, um I'm not sure whether you were here at the start of the conversation, but the Patreon would like to have a very thought-provoking um conversation. So I'm going to push back a little bit just to provoke the conversation and maybe inspire the hunger a little bit. So most of most of the uh, the fundamental biases and the breakdown in the vision that we have are as a result of faulty leaders, especially within the private sector, that have quote unquote have chopped belly full, that are actually influencing this decision from a position of greed. Greed doesn't start from it. Greed has a very unique way it creeps in. And I've been to a lot of these conferences. I've even helped organize some of these conferences. And ego is where it all starts. I'm not saying that is going to happen to your state or to um, what you're planning at Quaibom. But I'm saying it is a bold statement to say everybody that is planning this is 100% aligned. Nobody wants a government contract because everybody have chalk bellyful. Because human beings are inherently selfish. We all, every single individual, have a stake, and it is because of that passion, it's because of that motivation that we wake up every single morning to be able to deliver, put effort, put work, and be committed to um, a program like this. Albeit how robustly brilliant it is. So here's a question. 52%, um, again, 52% of the states um, of youth in Aquaibam is still considered unemployed. That's a huge number. The states for a very, very long time have been so- um, have suffered a lot from corruption and mismanagement, and this has actually led to a lot of um, unemployment in the state. So it is such an amazing thing. When I saw this, I was completely blown away that guys like you id and all of the amazing innovators back in this is actually seeing technology as a way to not only empower but also to position the state but being number one is what everybody wants every single conversation that i've heard that has been the consistent rhetoric tech cabal just finished moonshot rwanda there is an impact we happening in Rwanda. Uganda is doing the same. There is one happening in London. Every part of the world, every single individual, every single player in the ecosystem wants to be number one. How is Aqua Ibom using guys like you, leveraging your expertise and your selflessness to being number one. What is the clear roadmap and what is that strategy looking like today? Um, so they said there was a great British explorer or something like that who was asked why he wants to climb Mount Everest. And he said, because it's there. Right? Why do we want to be number one? We can. That's all. I mean, one of the bashings we always get is Aquaibom is not ready. What of Lagos? What of Abuja? Why Aquaibom? Every state is running this 
Africa's new tech destination. You're right. I just got back from Kigali. They're, they're, they're quite far ahead of us. Quotes. Structure. But one of the things that has helped us is, yeah, there's, you know, line. And these are very visionary projects. Now, I'm not here to defend how much was spent or what's there. Even looking at the airport and the airline, we're looking at it from the performance. I mean, when I started recommending Ibom Airlines to people and branding myself Ibom Airlines ambassador before they debodied me one day, people used to say, are you branding Ibom Airlines because you're from Akwa Ibom? Is it just pure patriotism or even tribalism? You know, tribalism is a big word in Nigeria these days. And then after a while, I kept quiet. And all of a sudden, I'm the one sitting down now. People are flying from Lagos to Abuja and choosing the Bomi Airlines. They're not even coming to you. I, I'm hearing people saying, if you want it, a flight that is on time between Lagos and Abuja, fly Ibom Airlines. I know people that have flown from when the road was bad, when the road, the safety was a big issue. I know people that have flown from Uyo to Lagos and Lagos to Portacourt on Ibom Air. They wanted to go from Uyo to Portacourt. But because of safety concerns at some point, they flew Ibom Airlines from Uyo to Lagos and Lagos to Portacourt just because they were trying to avoid that Ogoni, Boni thing and then they were also trying to avoid the bad road in, in, in Aba. So sometimes a little bit of the infrastructure is helping. In fact, Ibom Tech Week would have been, and we had this internal argument, would have been impossible if there was no airport, if there was no airline, even there were a couple of good hotels that some of the people we are inviting can't stay in. Period. So we are saying somewhere in the midst of this you know graft or corruption or you know inefficient use of funds by god's grace by design by somebody's had been touched there are a few things on ground that actually look like the ingredients of a great or a possible tech destination let's see what we can do to add our own quota the second thing i would say about um the whole thing is i, I mean Lagos is crowded. It's not going to be easy, right? Right? I, 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 okay, I came back from Rwanda. I just got home now. I flew in through LA. I think the LA airport, first of all, it was cheaper for me to fly to Los Angeles than to fly to directly to San Francisco. So you can have thriving multi cities, and, and there's, there's multiple flights between Los Angeles and San Francisco. There's multiple flights between San Francisco and, uh, what do you call it, and, and New York. So I think it's in the interest of Nigeria that everything is not concentrated in Lagos or Abuja. I think it just makes perfect sense. You can have an entertainment capital, you can have a tech capital, you can have an administrative capital. I mean, I, 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 I was very young when they moved the capital of Nigeria from the federal capital from Lagos to Abuja. And I think there were even people that had some sort of, hey, they're trying to move it to the north or towards the north. But in retrospect, think of 2023 and 2024 and beyond and ask yourself, what if all the federal ministries and the seat of government were still in Lagos? Would that make sense? I think it would be better for Lagos if we decongested Lagos. By, I'm not saying remove all the, the startups or all the events from Lagos, but I think everybody else should, should punch their weight. I don't want to take too much of the time. I think there are other people that have more important things to say. But I, you're right. I, okay, the other first thing you asked about greed and everything, ask people on this call. We had that. We sort of leveled it at the beginning. And I, I me, like they said, I don't, I don't have much home training. I was one of the people that brought it up. And I was like, anybody who has a card on the table, please drop it now. Because if we find out later somewhere in this conversation that you're trying to be this or you're trying to be that, we, we internally, there's a way we will try and resolve it. And you might not like it. 
you might just vex and leave either the consortium or the the innovation network or the entity we are trying to build so we've 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 appealed to ourselves that everyone should sort of shelve their egos everyone should sort of declare their interest we've had people who have come on online and said look I'm the one controlling transportation. I'm I'm doing this. Someone says I, I'm doing training. Another person says I'm doing this. We, we've we've tried as much as possible to place our cards on the table. There may still be suspicions. People might still be wondering, what's this really for this guy? Why is he coming all the way from America to do this? This one says, why did at a point ask ask Amanda? I asked. I said, why are we doing this thing the weekend when uh, or the week when Marquesian is HNG internship graduation? And they they silenced me very well, so I, I kept quiet. <laughs> But I, I'm not afraid to make those challenges. And we did. And we will continue to do so. Right? So, it's not going to be perfect. We're not going to wait for government. We would... If you know how we would love and want government to back this thing, you would... You would... You, you would... <laughs> I don't know how to put the word. We, we really want them to come behind us. Because it will help us scale. But your, your provoking... Thought-provoking questions were great. Why acquire my Why not anywhere else? A few ingredients, a few committed people. Okay, among these committed people, can there be ego clashes? Are there going to be one or two selfish interests? We've tried to declare our cards on the table. Anybody who is still harboring some individual, personal, selfish interest, at some point, is going to come at, against the collective because that's, everybody will say, ah, even me, I could have done that. Now, even me, I wanted that, but I shelved it for the greater good. You know, they say the sum of, of, of um, the whole... Is greater than the sum of the parts. I hope that's the question. I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. Anyway, but I will I will yield the, the floor now and allow other people to to take over. I love when you come when you start the conversation with a quote or a wise saying. It shows how wise you are. For those of you who are joining us tonight, it's been an interesting conversation. We've been joined by the amazing IDSN who is the lead publicist of the Aquaibon Tech Week. And uh, we've been privileged also to have his, what he says, his older brother, Annie, <laughs> join us up on stage to speak about that week. If you're here and you would like to ask a question, do us a favor, why don't you raise your hand? It is about that time for you to do so. Raise your hand. We're happy to bring you up on stage. You can make a statement or you can ask a question. We're happy to get you to do that. Or you can also just drop a message for us on the chat and we're happy to read that. Esther, you want to ask a question? Definitely. I, I, I want to say CD now have senior brothers in the house and i think it's an interesting interesting family conversation after all um <laughs> so um um i want to just um, put this to the public because right now in this conversation we have not just people from acquired states we have people who are currently not even in nigeria listening to this conversation we have people who are out of the country I mean, like, not even in a Nigerian, not even an African um, country right now listening to, to this conversation. Now, does the, um, does the, um, the Aquabom State Tech Week cater to only indigents? Now, I'm asking not for your friend, I'm asking for listeners who will also join in this conversation, catch it up on, on the podcast to just know that does this um, Tech Week cater to only indigents? Or is there any symbiotic relationship? Can people on this call 
key in and how can they key in? Can talent on this call key in and how can they key in? I know how um, philanthropists and business owners may be able to key in, but how about talents that are African talents um, later over the world? How can they key in? Because some of them are listening to this conversation. So please can um, either both senior brothers jump in on this. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, I, I I would call Amanda to speak and Lawrence. I've also invited Lawrence to speak, but uh, since Amanda is already up on stage, Amanda could speak on that. All right, good evening, everyone. I like that ID mentioned Lawrence. So you know that this is not just for people that are from Aquaibom or Aquaibom descent. So we joke and we say that Lawrence is an honorary Aquaibomite. So basically what I'm going to is that once something benefits the region, it benefits more than just people who are from there. So we've all come to see Lagos as no man's land, for example. So for us to get to a point where there is development or where we are saying that we're Africa's new tech destination, that means that we're definitely open to people coming to reside in Aquaibom State. So I'm not, I'm sure I missed some of the conversations earlier, but there are lots of things apart from the talent that make Aquaibom an ideal um, place for this Africa's new tech destination. So there's peace in our land. So I, I talk about the peace and the sanity that you need to build things or to build lasting structures. And you have that. Um, Anedi has spoken a lot on the infrastructure that we have in the state. So us trying to build this world-class destination, we're not going to limit ourselves by saying it's only open to people that are from Aquaibom State. Because how then do we attract the best of the best to come and live and work in Aquaibom? So we're, we're, this Tech Week, yes, it's an Event. It's almost like this is an invitation. This is a showcase of Aquaibom to the world. If we're having startups come and domicile in Aquaibom, then we're not looking to say, are you from so 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 local government or are you from here? We want people to situate their businesses in Aquaibom rather than check. It's less important where you're from, but that you call Aquaibom home or that your company calls Aquaibom home. So this is going to benefit everyone, the businesses, the institutions themselves. And I think that's the general um, outlook of what we have in mind. Um, then just to mention Aquaibom Tech Week, um, why I was very eager to speak on this is that we have a number of non-Aquaibomites that are speaking and are coming to Aquaibom just because of this event and it's what we're trying to push. So there is no growth without the right partnerships and collaboration. So I would mention even here that we have the Commissioner for ICT from Enugu coming to Aquaibom. So it's more about how do we develop our regions, what sort of partnerships are available. We have the head of the UNDP Innovation coming in as well. So this is even beyond a Nigeria thing to be more of a continental play. How do we connect with other agencies even outside of Nigeria? So we have our people from Abia. We have people from I would even mention, I think Abia Startup founder, there's a, you know, Abia Startup, I can't remember the exact name, but we have someone from there coming. We have Enugu being um, heavily represented, and then we have our other brothers in the East and from the South also coming to Aquaibom. So we're selling Aquaibom, not just to indigenous, but for people who want to call Aquaibom home. So that's where I'll just, you know, end. But definitely everyone is welcome. I'm a- uh, Esther, just just one question. Yeah. Um, Amanda, it's it, it's it's really cool. So I've known of the work that you're doing at Messenger, so it's really great that you are on stage. Messenger operates out of Abuja, correct? Abuja and Lagos, yes. 
and Lagos. Um, is Messenger planning to exp- uh, expand to Aquaibom? Yes. Yeah, so for one of the cards on the table, this Aquaibom Tech Week coincides with our Q4 launch in Aquaibom mm-hmm. State. So we'll be providing assets and operating financing to logistics operators. Um, so somebody asked me this question almost as a challenge, and I don't run from challenges. And they said that why is your business not in Aquaibom if you're such a patriot? And that's basically what led to me looking for the tech community. It's more like, would I be situating a business in Aquaibom for sentimental reasons? Or is there is it a viable market? And then I decided that if it's not a viable market, then I'm, it's now going to be one of my projects to make it a viable market. So you might call it a selfish interest, but it is in my business interest that Aquaibom works so that when I'm counting the number of cities across Africa that I'm in, I can say pl- proudly that, oh, my hometown or my home state of Aquaibom contributes to 20% of my revenue. So I want to be able to proudly make that brag. And then coincidentally, um, what we do with financing, Ekaoke is very popular in Aquaibom. We have lots of two-wheelers and three-wheelers. So financing that is, you know, we're still aligned in terms of the business focus. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, absolutely yeah. right. So it, it has to make business yes. sense. It's not only about, um, it's not only about, you know, building the startup for the sake of the startup. And if you if you are an indigenous of the of the state and you're succeeding elsewhere, it doesn't make you any less um, um, uh, an acquirer, yeah. right? It doesn't make you any less. So that is that is really really great. I just wanted to point out there and thank you thank for you. joining. Yeah. But before you go. I have one last very controversial question okay. for you. I listened keenly to and you spoke about um, demand versus supply. Yeah. And he made some really, really insanely great points there. How many tech um, software developers or tech people that you have that are have their roots from the state that you work with at the moment full-time in your company that's not a difficult question so my technology at messenger was built by Uyime Tommy of Ashodli and that was the first person who built out our technology and our dev house so I do practice what I preach right now in a quiet um, sorry in messenger apart from myself and my brother we have three other members of staff that are of Aquaibom descent so um, I, I won't call it nepotism, but we do look out for people who are from Aquaibom and we offer them opportunities to shine. And as a matter of fact, I don't care what people um, what people say, that is a good thing to practice. And the reason why I challenge people when they come on the pitch from Africa is because for some of the people that listen to our conversation, we don't want to give them an information of everything is good, everything yeah. is beautiful. We want to go behind the hood. And this is why people always are excited to listen to us and even catch up with a podcast. Um, so thank you very much for that honesty and thank you for your willingness to share with us. I do hope to either catch up with you sometime to learn a little bit more about Messenger. Annie, I can see your hands. Uh, Sorry, I'd like to say something um, just before you wrap up um, or before I hand over the mic. So, sitting anywhere else doesn't take away the fact that I am from Aquaibom. But I have to say my personal values or where I'm going to further down the line has a lot to do with being from Aquaibom and supporting Aquaibom. So, that's my personal, will I say, path and journey 
So it doesn't matter if you succeed outside the country or anywhere. But for me, as Amanda Etuk and my brand, it were very much aligned with supporting people from Akwai Palm State. And I've done that ever since I became a conscious adult. So I just wanted to say, so it, yes, it doesn't matter, but it matters to me. Um, so I'll go now. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Thank you very much. Annie, yes. Yeah, so, so this is a very controversial topic right um and one of the things you can do when responding to these sort of questions is you can be politically correct you can stay on the edge or you can you know you can you know i don't care what anybody says but i think one thing we've been able to and i would say this has helped i've i've, I've been able to navigate this sort of conversation based on some interactions and some trainings that I had. So prior to when I, you know, joined Google, when I when I came on board, I was given the women tech makers role. So I was being the diversity champion for women in technology. And people used to ask the simple question like, why didn't Google just hire a woman? Why did they hire a man to lead women tech makers? And it took a lot of <laughs> Googleese and linguistics and and diplomacy to find the right answer to that question. Anyway, what I would tell you is whether it's Amanda's business, whether it is Code House, or whether it is any other business that is either focused on indigenous or non-indigenous or has put an indigenous play, I would even take it away further and start talking about residents and citizens and not just indigenous because i'm not really a fan of the state of origin i'm more state of residence or state of choice that state of all that none of us who are in business side hustle or making referrals to people that we want to place in companies we don't lower the standards so the best we can do is make an extra effort to provide opportunity and resources for people of Aquaibom descent, Aquaibom affiliation, Aquaibom residents to connect or to get employment. So I, I, I won't speak for Amanda, but I think I, I can. As much as we would love to be pro Aquaibom first, we're business where you can never lower the standards. Like I can't, I can't recommend someone who's not qualified to do the job, or to push someone, or to make a personal kind of stake my reputation and say, please employ this person or hire this person or make this person my CTO or make him my this just because the person is from Macquarie, but my person doesn't be the, the primary qualifications. It could be a tiebreaker. Let's say I have two candidates and both of them are eminently qualified to be a CTO or a backend developer. And one is from Macquarie or resident in Macquarie, and another one is not. I could make that decision. I see myself in that kind of situation where I would say, okay, after both of you are on the same level, I have a bit of an affinity for somebody who, in quotes, is from here. Um, and I think we really, when you look at the people that have really championed the execution, planning, documentation of Aquaibom Tech Week, we're very proud to say that one of the people who's who's led this, and I don't know if he's on the call now, is Lawrence. And Lawrence has been building tech talent out of Eket um, from his youth. I don't want to talk too much, but if Lawrence is here, he can tell his own story. And bottom line is, Lawrence is driving this and I've actually looked at his you know body language to see how does he feel being in quotes a non-indigenous saddled with a huge responsibility of of um leading I, I wonder whether his, his, his village people have even asked him 
Oh, but this is where they drive a quiet bomb tech week. You don't come do the one for our side. An interesting question, but let's let's see if either Lawrence is on the call to answer that, or if maybe Anyebit or somebody else who works with him and supports him and partners with him can speak on his behalf. We will definitely love to have Lawrence here, um, but again, um, Annie, yes, um, I just want to 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 to, to make this known. Um, so. Our, our conversation on X is produced and distributed for podcasts. So for those of you who are catching up on the conversation, you will realize that it is um, longer than usual. And this is because we're having such an exciting time here with some really amazing people from across um, aqua, well, from across the world, uh, because one is in, 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 in the US, but we're all here for a singular cause, talking about the Aquabon State Tech week and we're going to go into all of the controversy i know we've also brought in we've brought up lawrence but here's the thing right i want anyone on the call right here right now that do have question no matter how challenge uh, no matter how that question looks like or you have a statement to make i would love to bring you up i would love to bring you up i would love to hear your thoughts um about this so raise your hand and let us know but also, um, I am very wary of time. So we're going to be coming close to the conversation in the next 10 minutes. Um, but before we do yeah, that, Siri. let us hear from Lawrence. Yeah, Sidi, is Lawrence here already? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Lawrence. Lawrence here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> good evening. <laughs> yeah, good evening, everyone. So um, I don't know. Uh, uh, there's a lot of... Um, reputation already i don't know how to you know maintain that well let me just go straight to the point i think when i was young it's it's all about experience actually i i know some people will be hearing this for the first time i i finished secondary school i wanted to travel immediately you know not not japa you know just innocent um quest just to go study you know it's not because i was trying to escape but back then 2001 when i went to the embassy jesus christ like it was, it was as if there is a war and people are trying to escape. My my interview was scheduled for June. I finally did it in August, meaning that they kept postponing because of the number of people. You know, as innocent as I was, that wasn't a fun. You know, there, there is experience in people's life that changes everything. Just because I wanted to study. And while I was doing that, Jam was busy, you know, denying me admission as well. For the, I, yeah, I wanted to get to America. I, I already had like six six um, admissions because I wrote SAT and everything. But at the end of the day, I've, I've, the, the whole interview that took how many years, finally I got the, you know, the rejection, you know, it, it didn't even take more than a minute. I said, well, everything I did, I wrote to fill, I lost, I wrote SAT and everything. It didn't take more than five minutes. I was just rejected. So that was like, ah. Can't we just build this place, you know? Because the whole idea of escaping and all that, can't we just build? So everything I do from that moment, I, like I decided, okay, you know, this place has to be better. That's actually the underlying thing, you know. Now you can go back to the university days. I was involved with SPE, ACs, where I, I met Engineer Nebet Odor. And after that, I came to... Aquabom again just to serve, you know. I joined NS in a new society of engineers. I was very active. I was discovered by the chairman. We did group dynamics. I kept as small as it was. I, probably I don't know how many of you 
it's a small town actually you know we became the third best branch in nigeria there are 59 branches you know this is very difficult you know you can even in your village you can make the best out of it and that's how we got into the whole tech space and um started building talents everything we do you know we've gone you know as far as even trying to build people that <laughs> people from pure and applied mathematics so you know everything that can make this place just compete but it, it's really difficult actually and I, I don't really care about where i am wherever i find myself is the same thing if i if i if i find myself anyway so because of time i think i'll i'll kind of you know break it down there are three locations in the world right now somehow somehow we are all connected to directly or indirectly one is silicon valley you know either you are using facebook or something you, somehow you are connected to it second one is shenzhen in china you know talk about manufacturing and hardware somehow we are connected to it the third one is like um dubai um tourism there are other locations but these these three are just key so um i think rwanda is coming up as well so anybody can plug in from anywhere in the world to the success that's going to be recorded in our You need to identify something, you know, that you can, anybody that really wants to, um, a, a lot of Igbo men, for instance, there is the, their tribe in Nigeria, Igbo people, they have benefited maximally from China. They are not from China, they are not from Shenzhen. But if you see how many people that have become millionaires and billionaires, so that's one answer to the question that was asked earlier. If Akwaibon becomes very successful, I can assure you, somehow there's something you can identify that you can, you know, plug into. And it could be the talent. You can actually, you know, um, connect to a talent pipeline builder here and say, okay, do you know what? I want to have a business with you. You know, because of, I, I understand you have good road network and probably all those, you know, how can we partner? So there are a lot of ways. It could be business. Business can start from here and become global as well. Talents can be trained locally and they can become global as well. So um, we are open and that is actually what we are selling. It's not like um, we are selling the idea of just the place, but the concept of Aquaibon being the tech destination. You know, so um, I, I think I will drop it here because of time. Thank you very much. I mean, um, this is very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to attend as well. Um, I would like to ask, I think there are a couple of questions I think my partner would like to to ask before we round up, but key questions. People are already asking in the comments, where is this happening? Does this cost a fee? Is it free? Um, I mean, it's important that this information at least is mentioned here live on the conversation. So please, can someone give us more details about how do I get a pass? I'm seeing VIP tickets here. Where is this location and um, all of that information? I just put out the website here in the comments. I'll put it out again. So, but please, someone, one of you needs to give us something very succinct about the event. I think Amanda can have a start on that. So, just to answer your question, so right now we are open to virtual attendance. We have gotten the exact number that we can. Um, host physically at the location but we'll be sharing um, links so that you can watch from anywhere in the world we want the news to go as far as the diaspora and you know everywhere so you can connect and watch Aquaibom Tech Week happen live from whichever location that you're in um, you can also attend some of our other events 
we have Tuesday and Wednesday, which will be at 4.0 Kodopane. Um, I will mention on this call now that if you arrive early, like before 9 a.m., you would have free sitting. But otherwise, we are fully booked and fully sold out. Um, there will be virtual, virtual um, attendance, but physical, you have to attend very early to get a seat. Um, so that's we are very happy at the interest that everyone has shown. So we can't take everyone physically. Yeah, so that's what I would say about that for now. I would share the links with um, everyone on this call or most importantly with the host so that we can also publicize the virtual attendance. All right. Thank you very much. CD, over to you. Yes, and as we come to an end of tonight's conversation, um, just two questions um, for you, ID or um, um I hope I'm not pronouncing your name wrong. Oh my goodness. Annie um, and Amanda and also Doris. One of the fundamental things that we have seen and witnessed in the ecosystem across the world, especially um, Africa, especially traditional, well, not traditional, but indigenous um, ecosystem like us that actually miss the infrastructure or lack in the infrastructure and sometimes even the policy to actually help us to build and accelerate our tech ecosystem fast enough is the collaboration between the public and the private um, and, and the private people like yourself on this call. Nigeria, as a nation, have taken some really bold steps from the from the startup bill to the um, to the appointment of doc, um, Dr. Um, Boson and a whole lot of other things are happening. But I want to be a little bit more specific. This Tech Week is happening and it's been put together by innovators, entrepreneurs, private individuals with hearts, courage, and dedication to see their state and their people become global players in tech. What is the what is the relationship like between you? the organizers and the government of the state. I can I can say a little bit about that before even putting the government on the um pedestal. There's the concept of the triple helix and I think there's even the pentahelix. And I will allow those who are, I don't know if Ajong is here. I know lawyers can also talk speak about that. But the the one that I'm quite aware of is the triple helix, which is you know, industry, government, academia, right? And you need all three to partner. When people talk about Silicon Valley, you it's not without Stanford, without CMU, Berkeley, and all the schools. There's no Silicon Valley. We're even going to the campuses of they're even called campuses in the first place. Facebook, Google, they're built like universities, right? And then there's always that symbiotic relationship of people doing research and people coming from the industry to discuss and share and all that kind of stuff. Um, we've reached out to every academic institution, especially all the tertiary institutions in Aquaibom State. We've spoken to key stakeholders. We've spoken to some of the people we would say that are quite progressive, even within the Ibom Innovation Network and even the WhatsApp community and groups where we are driving these conversations. We have government people in that conversation. Even when we are shading them or we are subbing them, we know they are there. You know, sometimes we even do it deliberately. We have lecturers. We have, we've invited all the vice chancellors of all the tertiary institutions, the rectors of polytechnics. And we're going to make a lot of ex, um, intentional and deliberate efforts to uh, reach out to them and approach them. For instance, in one of the projects that I'm, I'm sort of like trying to co-lead, 
we're, we're talking about the languages project and we're building a number of language related technology solutions from language learning to uh, speech data collection to you know apps that are like um duolingo or memorize and the rest and we're trying to do that for quite but we're even trying to say how can we help people like google or microsoft or, or DeepMind or DeepL even improve their translation for aquaibom ethic um aquaibom anang and um and even ethic even related languages to do such projects we are convening people from the academia people that have written technical papers dr mosek bayong you know we're looking for people in research we're all bringing them to the table and like let's talk we know the tech you know the domain all of us can see the problem i can't speak the language well my kids can't speak the language well everybody wants to solve that problem that problem is not going to be solved by a software developer who knows how to write nodejs or ruby on rails it just doesn't have enough information about language structures you know language pe- learning pedagogy and all those kind of things and the research low research languages and llms all these things we're talking about right now we can't do it without the linguists we need professor of you know uh, english and this and that I was I dragged Otto Bongo White into, into the consortium. He wrote the history of I think the Ibibio people, and you know he's a strong advocate of our culture and our values. So we're not doing tech week in isolation. No, no, we're not doing it. We're, we're pulling everybody in. The government conversation is the only thing we say. We're not we're not waiting for government. We've we've brought Twitter Spaces. We've brought the SSA on entrepreneurship. We've got a senior special assistant on you know media and branding. They are here. Some of them are even on this call right now. I don't want I don't want to expose them before people will send them proposal. But we're, we're we're working with them. You know, we've even written a brief to the executive governor. So we've we've been very clear that we're going to work with them. Government can do a lot beyond just money, even just an endorsement, a goodwill message. You know, referring us when people ask, when development agencies come, UNDP is coming in. This is like GIZ. We're talking to all these people. Those people won't partner with us with without the government's consent. And we have to find a way that is in tune with their values and the government's vision. And be part of it. The Arise Agenda. We have to put our our whatever we are doing has to fit into the Arise Agenda of the state governor. If not, it's not going to it's not going to fly. They might like it, but they will have nowhere to fund it from. You know, we you earlier in the this call we talked about you know the ministers launching the three MTT. We are plugging into that. We're not going to wake up one morning and say we are doing our own thing. We're not trying to fail. That's the first thing. First thing is we are not even trying to fail. We're not afraid of failure. We've taken this on. We've taken on these challenges, but we will not deliberately go out there and do, in quote, our thing when it could lead us to failure, right? So I don't know. Other people, Idong, I don't know. You guys, you've had more of the meetings, the PR things. You've written series of letters to individuals. Please, I think somebody else who is in a better position or better informed can can speak on how we've been engaging government. I did. Do you want to take this? Yes. Um, my one of one of the ecosystem leaders says they used to ask at his Hanson years who says who is government? Government is the man next door that you maybe you you see and uh, so that is how we we begin to see all of this. We, we break the term government down from being that uh, behemoth uh, type of an institution or establishment to the people that we can relate with, you know, go to their offices, send calls and all of that. So from from that perspective, the letters that we've sent in, the follow-up that we are making, that is what makes us hopeful 
that one way or the other that government in that regard would respond to to how we we want them to respond but if you if you also cast your mind back to the answer that i provided a bit earlier about what is happening within the legislative space it is also a testament to the fact that what what we are doing here in the private sector is also getting uh, legislative backing and that is also government uh, as it were so um, government is doing its own bid by establishing institutions programs setting out the arise agenda for its own uh, governance framework but we also uh, are hopeful that somewhere in distance not too far that there will be that kind of convergence that, that we, we are looking for okay um Esther, before i ask my final question for the night do you have anything you want to add i just want to say that um, i'm looking forward to the experience i'll be going there on behalf of patreon africa and i am just looking forward to validate every experience that has been mentioned here and i'm very sure that i'm going to come back here to you know i won't say dragani <laughs> if I get anything less, just joking, but I'm looking forward to this and I'm super proud to be Nigerian, super proud to be African. Thank you guys for the work that you're doing. Um, Siri, uh, I'm honored that we have senior brothers on this call today. That's all I can say. <laughs> yes, um, thank you very much. So, Annie, you want to go again? I just hear hands up, Annie. Last word. Um, one thing, and I don't know. Let uh, Amanda and Lawrence and uh, ID and Hanson not crucify me. One thing I will say is that Aquabom Tech Week is a week, first of all. You have two showcase and climax days, which are the ones where you really have that venue capacity locked at maybe 500 or 600 with 100 VIP tickets, blah, blah, blah. But that's not the whole experience. Anyone who's been to any sort of conference or any sort of event or any sort of week-long celebrations understands that a lot of the networking and things happen, you know, outside the, you know, conference hall. Or it's not just when you're talking to someone on the stage. In fact, to talk to, connect with maybe any of the speakers or things like that. A lot of that happens. Like we said, there's a lot of uh, coffee co- coffee table or I forgot what they call it. Sorry, I've just come up with it. Yeah, like there are a lot of other things that would happen on conferences and side things that will happen. And yes, there's going to be happy hour every day. You guys can yeah boss, but if you, if you, before you yeah boss, shall come to acquire and spend the five days. <laughs> the, the happy hour might even be might, it might even be more fun than the conference. I don't think so, but like. There will be events <laughs> all through the day. That, that, apart from the Tuesday and Wednesday, the innovation tours. I, I think I think all of us have the, the program and the entire travel guide. There will be things that we're going to be visiting the hubs. There are other events like Dev Fest and other things like Women in Tech that will happen. There will be trainings. There will be golf tea off breakfast meetings. And just the fact that, in quote, these tech bros, tech buddies, and others will be in town. I think there will be a lot of um side events you know show sideline events that would make the whole week you know worth the while we're also going to be doing some 
not rich going to schools. At least we've we've, we've set up with Unio, where we are saying if you can get your twenty thousand student into a hall or one thousand or five thousand, let's come there and do a career talk. So you might you might have a situation where two or three people in this you know galacticals of so called uh, stars go to acquire Bomb City Polytechnic on a specific day and have a career fair with students. They go to so there's going to be a couple of other side events. And I know that there are some people on this call that by the time we ginger them during the event, maybe they will, they will invite us to their palatial home or they will tell us to meet them somewhere. It's going to be an experience beyond four points. But the four points one on, I think, October 31 and November 1 is, is definitely the flagship. But stay tuned for all the other side events and we'll, we'll keep sharing them. And we hope that you would also propagate these events with your hashtags and your Twitter and social media influence. And thank you very much for that. I think I was actually going to ask um, a question around that. So thank you for answering that um, for me, even before I get to, to, answer, uh, to ask the question. Um, ID, Amanda and Lawrence, feel free to take uh, my final question. And this is a personal question. It goes beyond um, tech week what is success after everything is put together for this year what is success how do you define that and what are the things and the signs we should we should look at to say Aquaibomo tech week was a success uh, thank you so at the heart of everything just what you mentioned this is just a one week event but there are a number of conversations that have been launched as a result of this um, this tech week event um, so for example we partnered with secluded to train 100 women of acquired descent and provide loans of up to two million naira. Um, we have also partnered with Winnish Farms to provide um, training for smallholder farmers, 1,000 smallholder farmers. So these are some of the conversations that we're having. It's just, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. After this, our impact or success will be in the number of people and businesses that we have touched, um, number of people we've trained, number of opportunities that we've um, given to people of acquired descent. So there's lots of partnership conversations, a lot of firms that we're working with. At the end of this, um, we want to come out and say 10,000 people have been impacted by Aquibom Tech Week. Um, that's a success for me. And now I can say that we're at 1,100. So there are a couple more partnership conversations that we should have. And then before the end of the event, we should be closer to our number and then it keeps going from year to year and then we build up on the momentum from this. I think that uh, success for me would be in the number of new businesses that are set up and run from Aquaibo. But I noticed uh, Odion, very uh, key member of had joined. I would like him to probably just answer that question as we... we... All right. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Good evening and good morning to Abhi. Good afternoon to people in, in their in their needy space. Um, and Eddie, thanks for the good points. And it's just a reminder that events like this are just the tip of the iceberg. Um, it's just a week, and every everything else beyond the week is what we are determining as success. And then that is that's that's how what that's also what Amanda was trying to say. Didn't even know each other. Many of us in the network didn't know each other before before the tech week. Let me let me just say that. 
Odyong, I, and Hanson, we are together at um, Mukri Labs annual gathering in, in Kigali over the last two, three days. As a matter of fact, I think Odyong is still in Kigali. Today was like the final day and the ecosystem tour. And one thing we did there was even market Aquaibo, right? One of the reasons I went to the annual gathering was because we were going to support and we looked at it as a platform where we could attract you know, investment and attention. And at least we've had two success stories from that event. We've also had at least three people commit to supporting or attending the event just because we were right there then. And they looked at us and, in quotes, we had the chance to pitch. No on stage, but to stakeholders, uh, international development agencies, and a few other people who asked the question, what, why are you guys here? What are you guys doing together? Right? And I, I put that from a point of view of, if we didn't have this Bomb Tech Week, we would have nothing to sell. We would have nothing to say, right? So, Jennifer Jung is back fully, uh, if he's a speaker, right? But I can tell you that before Aquaibom Tech Week, I didn't know Amanda. If I, if I share information with you, when Amanda joined the call, I said she wanted to run a bike, Aquaibom Tech Week. And my first thing was, like, who are you? And it's me, I, I came straight up, you know, like I said, I do have home training. I'm like, people have been doing this thing for 10 years, 12 years. You can't just parachute from Lagos and Abuja and say you want to come and organize Tech Week. You need to calm down and take stock of who's who, doing what, what has been done, where are their gaps, and then let's all work collectively together to help you, you know, bring your vision to life. So I think the collaboration, I think that collaboration is one of the successes of this event. And going forward, you would see a lot more. So essentially, I was thanking the speakers that were before me, the ones that just took just before me, and Amanda and I was just trying to contribute my quota to say um, success is beyond the week. The week is like a an awareness campaign but success is everything from two years two years from now to ten years from now where the, the brand, the reputation would have been built but also the activities would be measurably uh, visible in the region and in the states and uh, things like collaboration and um, um, and just mentioned now we want to see those interfaces working where you have the tech community working closely with the academic community working closely with the government because the government must be involved and, and the outcomes and the impacts are things that we want to refine positively so we don't want success for us is not those vanity metrics where we say okay we've trained 1000 we've trained this we've done this Success for us is when tech starts working and when we can start actually seeing developments uh, working. Anedi, Anedi, I, I, I spotted, I spotted Anedi in, in, I think he was in an event in Kigali a few days ago. And Kigali is working. And that's the way I would look at it. And for me, if you look at, um, you, want, you want to mirror some place in terms of smart cities and smart activity, I think um, Aquaibom can be that place where we become the smart city model for Nigeria and thereafter um, everyone else can take that as an example. So yes, thanks thanks for bringing me on. I missed the beginning parts, but um, I'm happy that these conversations are going on and um, 
please you guys bring your friends and family or fr- your 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 high net worth individuals actually to support this mission because i had mentioned tech ecosystem i had mentioned academia i had mentioned um, um the government but then the funders and the sources of funds are extremely important for innovation to thrive so that is also what we need in this on this on this journey so thank you and good evening thank you very much odion um Lawrence um just final thoughts before we come to a close um do you want to define success for us okay yeah so the my success is simple i think it it ties back to the theme of the event which is aquabom uh, as the new tech destination in africa so um that would be my success you know it it, it shouldn't be a loose acronym or sorry a loose phrase you know or a cliche or something um if i see that begin is already a success because like i agree with everyone is a marathon is not a sprint so if i can witness you know the commencement of this tech destination you know real time like i see collaborations is all about collaboration i think we can take an example from brics what they've done you can see a lot of com- countries now want to join brics so we can extend our hand and form bipartite tripartite you know you know once we start working someone will want to extend and say okay what are you guys doing you know from wherever in the world and i agree with the question that was posed earlier in fact that that has got me thinking how can people that are not really resident in our quiet they plug into what we are trying to do and it's going to form part of this success they can only plug in if they are attracted so the three phases would be attraction which we are trying to do then conversion and then retention so success for me is the attraction and then after that we begin to count how many you know opportunities we've converted in terms of um, people that want to take skilled um, talent from acquiring the businesses that you know can start off from here and the number of network and collaboration as that will come begin like i said i emphasize on that word begin because it's a long haul so um that's success for me thank you very much thank you very much thank you to everybody that has joined us tonight we've been having a very interesting conversation having the family that is putting together the aquabom tech week but also we focus a little bit on the great id SCN's a journey from journalist extraordinary to tech leader and advocate. As always, we meet here every Friday. We bring together some of Africa's leading entrepreneurs, venture capital policymakers, and operators in general that come here, hang out with us, talk about tech, innovation, entrepreneurship, and everything that makes and or should make or break or that is breaking the African ecosystem as it is. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, I know we've been here for a little longer than we had hoped, but bear with us. This is why it's exciting to listen to us every week. So do yourself a favor and do us a favor. Why don't you t- tune in live here on X next week? As we come in t- uh, as we come to the close of today's episode, it's been a privilege to ha- to have you Amanda, Odion Lawrence, ID and Ellie. Um from me, the host, and my co-host. We say good night. Have a wonderful day.